0: Up next on Inside the SCCA, sim racing, and club racing. Our guest today is Stevie Ray. He's the founder of Ray Esports Racing. He has a long history in both motorsports and in the simulation world, even beyond racing. We're going to talk about that a little bit. He has his story is very typical of a lot of all of us SCCAers. In, he started up uh, in, in the club as a youngster with parents who were autocrossers. His dad was the builder and mechanic and crew for his uncle, who raced in production cars and uh, H production Bug Eye Sprites and then G and F production Spriget following followed for the majority of years in an E production Alpha. So Stevie literally grew up at and around SECA events. That's a, a storyline that we've we're going to hear about a lot over the years of this podcast. So his roots are in the club. Uh, after high school, he went into the United States Air Force as a flight simulator technician. And this is something I'm really looking forward to talk about because I, I, I'm curious to his thoughts on, on one particular part of the racing sim world and, and, and how it relates back to the flight simulators. Uh, after the Air Force, he came out, came out and started racing at SCCA events, starting with a driver's school. He was in Spec Racer, Spec Renault back in the day when that was the first spec racer. A lot of youngsters don't know that. Uh, that's how I got started. My first driver school was in a, sport, uh, a sports Renault back in the early or late 80s, I should say. Then it became Spec Racer Ford. He has a regional championship under his belt in the Midwest division and a couple of track records back in the day. And now he is doing Ray Esports. Stevie, thanks for being with
1: us. Hey, it's my honor. My pleasure to be here.
0: Well, I don't know about the honor part, but we're going to have fun. You know, I'm really glad that you had a chance to we have a chance to do this because uh, there's there's two aspects of sim racing that I want to kind of dig into here. And there is the aspect that, you know, young up and coming racers don't really know a world without sims. You know, I suspect that for many young racers, that was where they got their start or if not where they got their start, a big part of their development. And then there's old farts like me who, you know, it's kind of a foreign object to us, you know, a shiny, blinky thing in the corner that we're afraid of. And, and I want to get into the reasons for that. And you're really a perfect person to talk to because you came from a world where simulators are not only accepted, but required a required thing. And that is the world of aviation, especially in the Air Force. I suspect in the Air Force these days, there's not a single pilot who ever sits in the, uh, the important seat in the plane without first touching a simulator, right?
1: Correct, yeah, many hours in the simulators.
0: Even the trainer that they get up in, their first thing they do in a plane comes after a simulator, right? Right. So that gets me to my question. Why are racers, especially old graybeard racers, so anti-sim? Because it's been proven in the aviation world that you can learn so much from sitting in front of a simulator.
1: Yeah, um, I think part of it is it started out and was known as gaming, and the kids did it, and the the older guys, and I'm one of them. Um, you know, they they saw that as a kids' game, and as it progressed, and technology got better and made it something as a useful tool. Um, they they still had that preconception that it was just a game that they didn't need and it wasn't going to help them. I mean, and, and let's be honest,
0: the, the racing sim world was slow to catch up to the aviation sim world. Very much um, so, yeah. You know, even the original Microsoft simulator was pretty darn good. And I'm guessing because they had all of the technology from the Air Force and the airline simulators that they were mm-hmm. able to dumb down into a Cessna, for us to play with on our home computers, whereas on the racing world, it's a whole different ball game. Where they had to, they had to do the tracks, you know, and come up with a technology to scan a track, which they didn't have when they started. The cars were rudimentary at best. But today, though, if you if folks have never tried it, uh, the, the technology is is just blows my mind. Blows my mind, you know. And I was late to the game only because I knew I'd love it. You know, and I, I told you the story before we got on uh, my, my dear friend, G. Dub Henderson, who many folks in the club know, uh, knew and loved. He tried to talk me into getting into simming for years. And about a year and a half ago, I said, OK, I, you know, my life is in a spot where I have a little bit of time. Let's go do this. And he helped me get the computer and uh, helped me choose which wheel set to buy because I was on a budget. And then he got sick with covid. And by the time everything was ready for me to go, a couple of weeks before I'd actually sat down and dud my first sim thing, he had passed away from COVID. So uh, it's a little bittersweet for me. But every time I I lock the wheel onto my desk here and and, uh, race, I've got him on on my shoulder doing it, telling me that I'm an idiot and I'm not doing something right, because that's what he would be doing. He'd be swearing at me and telling me that I'm an idiot, not doing something right. And uh, but anyway, so. Uh, but I was late to the game just because I knew I didn't have the money to spend to do it. Because uh, It's not a cheap thing to get involved with. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Okay. Um, I also think there's two other things that might be keep people like thinking it's more of a game kind of thing. I think that while you don't need a $5,000 SIM rig to do this mm-hmm. by any stretch, The reality of and the usefulness of sim racing to the real world racing is enhanced when you have a rig, you know, and Mm -hmm. there are things that you can get from a rig, especially with, you know, motion and and, you know, bass rumblers and all of that kind of stuff that if you're just doing what I do, which is I take the wheel and I attach it to my desk and the, and the, the, the pedals are under my desk you get a lot more out of it when you have a rig to do. And I think a lot of people might start like I'm doing and say, well, this doesn't really give me as much as I need. And it's, so it's not, it doesn't really one for one. Well, first of all, it's not one for one, you know, right. but even, even in a best SIM, it's not one for one, no. uh, but it's certainly not, it's closer to one for one in a rig than it is doing what I do. So I think the one thing that even in my situation where I don't have a rig yet, and I say yet, because I'm sure I'm going to be building one in the next year or so. Um, I get a lot out of it because you can learn a track that you've never been to before. Mm-hmm. You can learn the characteristics of a car that you might not have ever driven before. And you could get a lot of that even with just a wheel attached to a desk. Sure. So there's different levels of what you can get one for one. And I think maybe that might be also part of why old school racers didn't really glom on to
1: sim racing, right? It could be, yeah. Um, As you mentioned, when you first start and and have a basic rig, you get the basics of it. Uh, Just like uh, in flight simulators, you have Microsoft Flight Sim, as you mentioned, and you have the basic equipment, you get the basics. If a commercial simulator has, you know, multi-million dollars, and they're going to get the full benefit of it. And A sim rig and and good equipment is is somewhere in that middle range. Right. Where you you put a little bit of money into it, but you get more in return. You get more of that force feedback. You get the feel. You can feel the tires kind of locking up and and that sort of thing.
0: And, and, you know, I threw out a $5,000 number for a sim rig. That's like the Cadillac. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen people with really nice home-built sim rigs that are probably – well, under a thousand dollars, not including the wheel and pedal set. Sure. Um, and, and if you're you know, DIYers, which a lot of us in the SCCA are, um, I mean, I, I, I enjoy racing, I love getting behind the wheel. Um, but I actually think I enjoy tinkering on cars more, yeah, and being part of a crew at the track than I actually do getting behind the wheel. And so, most SCCAers have the skills they need to build their own sim sure. rig. At some level.
1: And I started the same way DIY. My first one, I clamped to a a TV tray in the middle of the room with a a fold-up chair. And progressed progress slowly but surely. And I've got a rig sitting back here in the corner now. Right. So, for instance, I'm
0: now looking on the the, uh, used car junkyards Mm -hmm. for a sports car seat out of a production car. Right. You know, whether it be a Corvette or, or something that's better than my desk chair. And that's going to be kind of the basis of when I start to build my sim rig. Um, and I'm going to try to see if I can build it so I can even use the desk I'm using now and just have the chair come in and out. And that's going yeah. to give me a better experience than I have now. So there's lots of different ways to do it. So how was your transition from being a racer Doing your Air Force sim work as you worked in the Air Force as a, a, a flight simulator, as a technician. What, is yes. the, what was your role?
1: At flight simulator tech. I was trained to maintain and fix, repair the simulators. At okay. Everything from something going wrong in the cockpit, buttons falling off, to buttons quit working, to the computer that ran it, to the hydraulics that ran it. It was just a little bit of everything. So, and uh, that's why I got trained in the Air Force on for, for several years. And I've been with an, an airline now for the past, what, 11 years, I guess, maintaining uh, Southwest Airline flight simulators. So everything short of writing the program that goes yeah, in the computer. I, we've got some of the technicians that, that can get into the code and, and manipulate it and, and make changes that we need. And then uh, most of us. Our, everybody has their little specialty areas kind of because there is so much to those simulators. You can't be an expert on everything. Right. So.
0: so what was your transition like from that world and also being a driver in the SCCA to getting involved with racing sims?
1: Um, I had done a little bit of the flight sims because of, of it directly relating to, the, to my work. And as you mentioned, I grew up with SCCA and did some racing and, uh, I found iRacing one night when I was doing some searching for simulators online and it, would, it just, a light bulb went off. It, it, hey, if this is something close to, to it, that it would be fun. And so I did some more research and subscribed, uh, bought a subscription to iRacing and, and got started in the basics. And like I said, started off with a, uh, a cheap steering wheel and pedals and attached it to a TV tray and kind of went from there. Exactly. So how long ago was that? Uh, 10 years ago.
0: So the, the I racing 10 years ago and I racing today, what's the difference?
1: Um, <laughs> obviously you got some more cars, more tracks. The, um, the updates they've done, they've improved the technology of like the tire modeling, the physics for the tires and, and grip level and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's a lot in the physics is the biggest improvement in iRacing over the years. Right. There's, there's
0: several different platforms that people can get on. A set of courses, one mm-hmm. uh, iRacing, I think, is probably by far the most popular Mm -hmm. because I think it's the easiest to get started with. Right. Um, You don't need any special kind of, of, uh, you know, subscription downloads. And, uh, you know, my daughter does a little gaming, and she knows all the different, you know, things you have to sign up for to be able to get a set of Corsa. It's not like you can just go to a set of Corsa.com. There's a process for that. But with iRacing, you just go to iRacing.com. They tell you exactly what you need for your computer, the minimum specs. Right. Uh, they give you a list of wheel sets that are compatible with iRacing. They make it really, really user-friendly. Now, mm. uh, people who are really big into gaming, they complain about iRacing, they complain about a set of courses, they complain about everything. There's always something yeah. to bitch yeah. about. Yeah. Um, but for the beginner, it really is kind of like almost the equivalent of getting into a spec racer, you know, the whole thing comes put together. You don't need a yeah. whole lot to do it. There's not very much maintenance that you have to do. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, when, when we were racing our, our spec racers, we did 22 races on the same engine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all we did is change tires every two races, change oil every three races, yeah. put gas in the thing and went and had a ton of fun. Yeah. So I kind of look at iRacing as the spec racer Ford of sim racing rakes or okay. platforms. Um, And if, you know, people are looking to get started, that would be, that would be my suggestion. Uh, And then you can go down a ton of rabbit holes from there.
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's more designed for head to head uh, people racing where the others are more of a gaming platform where you're racing against computer generated cars and stuff.
0: Right. Right, and the other ones I think are almost a little more open source too. Right, where you could do a lot more modding to the, yes, the yeah. cars and 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 that kind of stuff. And so if you're really geeky into that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and I use geeky in a loving term, yeah, if you're really into that kind of programming side of things, I think some of the other platforms might be better for that. Um, I don't think the really-
1: iRacing has more of the um, the mechanics. In the physics, like I was saying, you you can really learn how to set up a car in iRacing. The suspension, rebounds, arrow it, it's all there if you want to dig into it. So, and here's another
0: thing, as you say that, so much of what I see there translates to the real world. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not one for one, but the terminology is proper in iRacing. Um, you know, if you... If you take a big swing on a shock setting or a big swing on a sway bar setting, you're going to feel it in iRacing, yes. just like you're going to feel it in a car. So if you're new to racing on this, on, a, on, a, on a real car, I hate to use that term, <laughs> uh, but if you're going into, get into real racing, um, knowing how to set up a car in iRacing gives you a leg up on someone who's never done that.
1: True. True. I've talked to several of the, the, my passion, my specialty, of course, is the spec racer Ford. That's where 90% of my efforts are around. And I met and got to know several of the real world spec drivers and talking to a few of them that do both. They've said that when I make changes to the suspension and iRacing on the spec Ford, it does what I would expect it to do in real life. So it does translate.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's transition a little bit. I think we've, we've kind of talked about, um, you know, the, the benefits of sim racing. I do think that there are people who are just never going to jump on board and, you know, that's fine with them, but I, I, I feel there's such a value in it for the club racer, especially. And here's the other thing with club with, with sim racing, you know, you, you, you don't smash up your car when you hit yeah, the wall. Yeah,
1: rinse and <laughs> repeat.
0: Start over. Do it again. Exactly. You know. So even if you're a Spec Miata driver, or any, especially if you're driving any of the Seca cars that have an iRacing version, the Formula V is really good. Oh, it's yeah. I, I was really surprised how because I've driven a Formula V, and I was really surprised at how true to life that was right out of the box. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and, you know, there's a little bit differences. I believe the Formula V is kind of a hybrid between the it British, is. Australian, and yeah. American Formula it V. Is. So yeah. I think it's got the the disc brakes right all the way around, uh, which is now some people have it here and some people don't. Right. Is yeah. it the 1600 motor? I believe
1: it is the 1600. Yeah,
0: so it's got a little more giddy up, but not much. Yeah, But it's very, it puffs smoke where it's supposed to yeah, puff smoke.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a funny thing when it came out. Everybody's commenting about it. Cool. Why is that thing smoking? That's because yeah. it's supposed to.
0: The uh-huh.
1: uh, new Gen 3 spec racer Ford that iRacing updated to, um, the the old one was the Gen 2 on iRacing. And, and a lot of guys complained that it just wasn't realistic to real world. And it really wasn't. Right. But they got me. I was able to be one of the alpha testers and help iRacing develop the new Gen 3. And Denny Stripling is one of the top Spec 4 drivers in the oh, yeah. country and happens to live about 40 miles from it, 40 minutes from me. And I had him over to my house one night and got him on the rig and did some testing and, and gave the developers some feedback. So the, the new Gen 3 is actually pretty close to the real world. And, and I've heard that from several of the, uh, the Gen 3 drivers.
0: Yeah, the Gen 2 version felt a little bit like a sports Renault to me. Yeah, yeah, you know, it it, mm-hmm. it had a little lag and pickup at certain points, which kind of felt like the old old car. Yeah, I'm glad to hear. I haven't played much with the Gen 3 version yet, yeah. so that's I still need to know.
1: update the sounds, but we're getting there.
0: Sure, 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 sure. So let's talk about Ray Esports. How did you take your love for this? And turn it into this thing that a lot of SCCA drivers are already doing. Yeah, uh, and, and w- where did the impetus for that come? And and how did you get that all developed?
1: Uh, just running the leagues and everything that I do. Um, it just kind of came about. One of the one of my buddies that was over in the UK actually helped me uh, develop the logo for me, so I could start putting that out there. And and it just it just kind of became. And then uh, I started using that. We uh, When Seca backed out of the eSports League, when the real world picked up, I wanted to continue the effort and uh, kind of got the blessing. And my partner that's helping me with that says, well, we, we'll just keep it. That name is already known out there. So that's kind of where that started. And it's, it's kind of gone from there.
0: Sure, sure. What did you start with? Did you start with just one series?
1: Yeah. uh, Back in 2015, I think it was, I started the uh, SRF Weekend Warriors, the Spec Racer Ford Weekend Warriors. Um, Another guy in Italy had a Spec Ford league going and was getting out of it. And he went to the Renault Formula Two, I think, when they came out. And there just wasn't a league for the, uh, the Spec Fords. And so I, I created that one and it started small and we might have had eight or 10 cars a couple of times, but it's grown and uh, it's been pretty much the stable of the, the spec Ford racing community for quite a while now. Um, a couple of seasons ago during the pandemic, we were putting 50 to 60 cars on track every Sunday.
0: Nice, nice. And now you've added some some new series since then. What else? Do yeah, you have?
1: on uh, when the Formula V came out, you were mentioning uh, we thought that would be a perfect fit. So the uh, the Spec Fords on Sunday, we put a, a weekend Warriors Formula V league together on Saturdays, and a lot of the guys crossed over back and forth. So so that's been a new league that we've been growing and starting with. And then uh, what, like I said, about a year. Maybe a year ago, I guess, when the SCCA backed out of esports, some we started the Ray Esports League, which is the unofficial SCCA league. Um, I talked to Hayward Wagner and, and the marketing guys at, at SCCA, and they said, "Yeah, you can do it. Just use unofficial since we can't be there and be directly involved in it." And I said, no, I, right, "That's right. fine with me. We'll do that." So,
0: Sound, sounds. So good. we do that on cool. Tuesday nights. Okay. Okay. So you've got a Tuesday, a Saturday and a Sunday league now, right? Right. Okay, cool. Um, any thoughts of expanding further now or are you pretty good where you're at?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm still working at least for a while. So until I retire, at least the wife says that's enough. There you go. Is there any
0: cost other than beyond racing and getting your rig? Do, is there any cost to, to race with your folks?
1: Um, no, not, not really. Um, just the hosting a, uh, an event with iRacing things like 50 cents an hour or something. And when you do it so much, you get a 25% discount. So it's even cheaper than that. The cost comes in when I want to get them broadcast. Sure. I, I have all my leagues broadcast and there I go to sponsors and they pay for the broadcast is, is what we do. So, and it's, it's not real cheap, but so we do like uh, my, On the Ray Esports League, on Tuesday nights, the SCCA-related league, we ran the Spec Ford, the Formula V, and the uh, Spec Miata. We ran three classes. And Alliance Autosport is one of the customer service reps for the the Spec Ford, and they were a sponsor for the Spec Ford in that league. So we've used them that way. And uh, Race Voice is another one that he does – data acquisition and puts it into voice in your headset and everything in the in your helmet in the real race car and he's been sponsoring the uh the weekend warriors back Ford group for i don't know three or four seasons now so we get that and and they pay for the broadcast which is anywhere from 50 to 75 dollars per hour okay over a 12-week season that that can be a little bit of money
0: sure 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 to the racer though is there an entry fee
1: no no, we've one one season when I didn't have a sponsor, we went to them and said, hey, we'll take donations and see if we can get enough. And, and man, they just I couldn't believe the response. Nice. And, and we we got it broadcast then. But ever since uh, we've had a sponsor that's covered the cost. So we don't put up any fee to get in the league and try to make it as friendly and fun and and competitive as, as we can.
0: The other thing and for folks who don't know, um, there are, uh, in, in, iRacing, there's safety ratings and classes for drivers. Um, and if you do any of the iRacing sponsored, uh, events, uh, those sponsors have an effect on, or those races, uh, affect your, your, <laughs> your ratings. So you can, if you have a, a good race and don't, don't touch anyone and they don't, no one touches you. Uh, your rating goes up. And if you're a disaster and hit everybody on the racetrack, your racing goes down. With your races, since they're independent of iRacing, there is no safety rating
1: effects on there, right? No, uh, we do require uh, a minimum of a D license. And a, well, the Ray Esports is a 2.0 safety. The, uh, the Weekend Warriors requires a D with a 3.0 safety rating as a minimum. And That just ensures that our drivers have done some racing, some sim racing, use the iRacing platform, kind of familiar with it. They know a little bit of car control before they get in our league. And then in our league where the official races you were mentioning affects your safety rating, what we do is is encourage clean driving by if you put two tires off track, you get the one X, uh, a one point against you. If you spin out, it's two points. Well, when you accumulate so many points, 12 points in our, in our league, you get a penalty. You're going to do a drive through the pits, which is going to set you back. If you get uh, 18 points, you're going to be disqualified. So it, it kind of encourages. And then if you can do a zero incident race where you, you not hit anybody, you not put tires off, you're going to get a three or five point bonus for having a zero incident, uh, a one incident race, you're going to get a, like a three point bonus. So it, it, By not using the official series ratings, we use that kind of stuff to uh, encourage clean racing.
0: Sure. Uh, One of the frustrations I have with iRacing events, the official events, is that there's a lot of people out there who are just futzing around and um, don't really care about clean racing And, you know, I I was trying to get my safety rating and my license to the point where I can do some of the endurance events that they do, the 24 hours at Daytona or Le Mans. And and I was having a devil of a time having clean races. And I was letting people buy. I was (laughs) was doing all of the right things like we're taught at driver's school to be clean. And I'd get run over all the time. Uh, so it's nice to hear that you know the way you've got it set up doesn't have you know a huge detriment if if someone and it, it encourages people and I think because also the core I'm gonna guess the core of the people in all of your groups are SCCA people right
1: the the Tuesday night is SCCA people um, right you're either to to get in the league you've got to either be an SCCA member or contribute to the SCCA foundation one of those two to get into that. Tuesday night SECA based league. Right. Right. Weekend warriors on the weekend is worldwide. Okay. It's And remember. do you,
0: do you utilize the same penalty structure for the yes. weekend classes?
1: Yes. And do those
0: tend to be fairly clean racing as, yep. as much as yep. possible?
1: Yep. We, uh, in that large of a field, you know, you have 40, 50 cars, you're going to have some incidents. Uh, right. It's just the nature of racing, but the most part, um, I mean, we have probably two thirds to three quarters of the people are the same week after week. And then in the new season, we'll get some new people in and drop some, but they, and everybody's pretty motivated and, and there's just a core culture of, of clean racing. there, being friendly and having fun. And yet it's, it's very competitive. I mean, there's the best of the best in those leagues.
0: All right, we're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we're gonna talk more uh, with Stevie Ray here about sim racing. We're gonna talk about what he thinks is the future of sim racing and how people can really utilize it as if they're racing on, on real tracks in the SCCA. We'll be right back. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. Armor All, Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back to Inside the SECA. Let's take a look at this week's news. The SECA has announced the 2022 class of the Sports Car Club of America Hall of Fame. There are five new inductees for 2022. The first, Charlie Clark, nearly 50 years as a member of the SCCA. He's been a road racer, autocrosser, event organizer, mentor, and leader. He's one of those rare bears who has been both a participant over many, many years at the SCCA National Championship runoffs, 30, and a solo competitor who never missed a solo national championship event, four-time solo national champion. Charlie Clark, the first inductee into the 2022 class of the SECA Hall. Second up, Howard Duncan. His impact on the club began in his home region. For more than 30 years, he's been known as the driving force behind the birth and growth of our national solo program. Serving through the SECA national staff during that period, Duncan was awarded the 2014 Wolf Bernardo Award, unprecedented for a member who earned that award prominently for his work as an employee. Next up, Paul Fanner. Paul Fanler's contributions to the club are vast. He started his career in the SECA as a Formula Ford racer in the early 1970s, but his longer lasting contribution came as the first publisher of the Cal Club Region newsletter, and that opened the door for his company, now Racer Media and Marketing. And of course, Racer Media and Marketing publishes Sports Car Magazine. Greg Pickett is the next nominee. He's been in the club and involved with road racing for as long as anybody. He's the only driver to have won a Trans Am championship race in six different decades. His first Trans Am race was in 1975 using an A sedan car. Mark Weber is the final inductee for 2022. He is a racer. He's been driving for 50 years. He's been to the runoffs more times than anybody. uh, Or not more times than anybody. He's been to the runoffs so many times, it's hard to count. He's raced uh, 63 starts at the runoffs over his 50-year driving career. Uh, He's also maybe better known as uh, the SCCA photographer. Maybe not officially as that. There's been lots of people who've taken pictures for the SCCA, uh, but few have done it longer and more often than Mark Weber. Uh, His photographs have appeared in Racer, Auto Week, Car and Driver, and a bunch of other places and all over the SCCA website. So those are your five nominees for the SCCA 2022 class of the Hall of Fame, Charlie Clark, Howard Duncan, Paul Fanner, Greg Pickett, and Mark Weber. I also want to tell you that next week's guest on Inside the Seca is Paul Fanner. We'll talk about his long career and everything he's done for the club. That's next week on Inside the Seca. Also want to take a second to remember Bob Bondurant. He is an uh, Seca Hall of Fame member. He was inducted in 2014. He passed away November 12th in Arizona. Besides being an SCCA racer, and getting his start in the SCCA, he raced in Formula 1 in the 60s. He won at Le Mans in his class in the 60s. He's also an FIA World Champion. And of course, he is the founder of the Bob Bondurant Driving School, uh, which has trained thousands of racers, many SCCA racers over the years. There is a podcast uh, that we posted earlier this week uh, of an interview that that we did on the Racing Wire radio show back in 2014 with Bob Bondurant. You might want to take a listen to that. That's the news for this week on Inside the SCCA. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back here on Inside the SECA with Stevie Ray, the uh, founder of Ray Esports. Kind of the, the well, definitely the club's unofficial spot to go racing on sim racing, but he does a lot more than just that. So let's look at the future of sim racing. Well, where do you think this can go just as in, in general?
1: Um, I think as technology improves and we get better, like scans on tracks and more tracks available, more cars available. Um, it, it'll just become more of an integral part. That um, before you go out to uh, Road America or Road Atlanta, you're going to spend a lot of time or, or a significant amount of time in the sim, and it may not have ever had a chance to be there. But by doing something that is is so well documented in the sim, you're going to know the track when you get there. It's just There's no question what's over that hill or where your breaking points are and and all that sort of thing.
0: You know, it's funny because you say that and and, um, in SCCA and in most amateur type racing, whether it be SCCA uh, or NASA or Champ Car or any of those situations. um, But I, I know SCCA more intimately than any of them. You know, on a race weekend, you're gonna get a 15 or 20 minute qualifying, a 15 yep. or 20 minute practice, or, and then you're gonna get your 15 to 20 minute race on each day. If you've never been to a track before, that first session's just a freaking throwaway. Yep, you're like, okay, let right, lat. No, no, this one's a left. I mean, you're literally trying, yeah. and you can memorize the track map, you know, you, you can yeah. walk the track old school, but who does that anymore? Yeah. Um, and and you know, so you can, you know, have an idea of what you're doing. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you just you eliminate so much of that learning curve mm-hmm. of, I mean, I, I would think, you know, the, your first time at a racetrack, you might give away the whole weekend just learning the track, you know, especially in SCCA and in all kinds of amateur racing, where your track time is somewhat limited. uh, The only other way to get that experience on a track is to maybe do a track day. That's a little less expensive and less dangerous way to learn a track, but still that's not inexpensive either. By the time you go to the track and get a hotel to stay overnight and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So there's so much benefit to, the, you know, by the time, even if you bought the simplest setup, you know, the computer, you can pick up a computer for under a thousand dollars to do this. Uh, you can pick up a wheel brand new. The, the, yeah. the, the Logitech wheels are under five hundred dollars. And then the 70 bucks a year for iRacing, you add all that together. You know, that's less than the cost of a race weekend in pretty much any car that's out there. You know, yeah. assuming you, you know, you're not renting or whatever the case may be. And you, you gain that, that knowledge of, of what you're going into. The other thing I think it is, you know, racing's expensive
1: mm-hmm.
0: on a racetrack. You might not to get, get to go out 15 times a year. And racing is motor, motor memory. The more you're on the track, the more often you're on the track, the better you're going to be. Yeah. Uh, and if you're an SCCA racer on a limited budget, and you only get to the racetrack two or three or four times a year, you know. If you spent a half hour a week on your sim racer at, at any of the tracks in your region where you go racing, it's it's just keeps your skills up.
1: It, it's 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 just sure. muscle memory, right? Uh, yes. Hand-eye coordination, all that kind of stuff.
0: Uh, the other thing I think also, and I I would love to be able to to p- put a study together. I would love to see like with people who are we're going down a complete rabbit hole here. <laughs> rabbit hole alert, folks. Rabbit yeah. hole alert. Um, people with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, I mm-hmm. think sim racing would be a great tool to keep them active in their mind and their motor skills and their hand-eye coordination sure. going. Yeah. There's there's well-documented research on how musicians and people who play music have better, longer outcomes with Alzheimer's. I'd yeah. have to think that the same type of thing would happen if you're a car geek and you put them in front of a sim racer once a week. Yeah.
1: I know they've got a, a whole section in the, uh, the iRacing forums on physically handicapped, Oh, nice. Those kind of people getting in a SIM rig, you know, and and you have all your controls there on your wheel and and do, do racing for physically handicapped people too. So, Oh,
0: I suppose you could program, you could map the controls on the wheel for a brake and a throttle. And I didn't even think about that. That is so cool. There we go. Learn something new today. Um, so what's, what's on the
1: horizon for Ray Esports? Well, uh, Hopefully make some money and I can retire from work. So. <laughs> well, um, one of the visions I have is is like you've got a lot of these teams that have transporters that go to the track and everything. There's no reason they couldn't have a sim rig in the rig there at the track and, sure. and help. In fact, I, I was at Indianapolis for the runoffs and I know of a couple of teams that actually had a sim rig in their, in their hauler. And their drivers, young young drivers, were, were getting SIM time during sessions and practicing. So, I, you know, that or even having a, a SIM rig in the shop, in, in their shop for their customers and that sort of thing. So, I see getting involved in that potentially. So,
0: so and the cool part about that is, for folks who've never done this is, uh, and you can actually do this today uh, in your home, you can hire a coach. Who can get in your ear, watch your session, for, even from a distance? They don't have to be in the right. house with you. Yep. You can connect through a team speak or some other service that does that. And they can real time. That's the one thing, even coaching on the racetrack. Yep. You know, it's not real time. You might come back and your coach will assess your data, uh, will assess your video that comes back. You know, right. And then you'll you'll have a discussion and they'll give you some tips and then you have to remember what they told you and, mm. and go out and do it again in a couple of hours and try it again with sim racing and that type of a, a headset setup. Your coach can tell you real time, you know, yep. oh, you missed your breaking point. Oh, yep. you missed your apex by five feet. You know, try yep. this line through turn six and yep. you don't have to wait until an hour later for your next yeah, session no, it's right
1: there in the session with you,
0: you get to do it the next lap, yep. you know? Uh, and, uh, you know, those coaches get paid to do that. So mm-hmm. there's a cost for it. Uh, but at least y- y- you get someone and you get that instant feedback, which you can't replicate in the race car. Um, if you haven't noticed, I'm a big proponent, not only of sim racing, but how it helps you when you want to go racing on the racetrack. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I've learned so much in the last 18 months and I, I suck at sim racing still, you know, and I think that's the other frustration for people who are racers who then try to go sim racing. Oh, they, they think, oh, you know, I can hurdle a GT one Corvette into turn five or into the, the kink at road America flat out. And I take that same car through the kink at road America flat out on on a a sim racer the first time i guarantee you you're gonna crash
1: yeah there's no question yeah i had the same thought i mean i saw i racing had the spec racer and i had experience in it and i thought okay i'm gonna get in here and i'm just gonna wipe these guys tails yeah and no (laughs) i couldn't keep it on the track yep yep so i think that's also
0: you know even older Racers have a short attention span and they get frustrated because they know they should be better at this and they're not. Yeah, and, no, it takes uh, time,
1: just like everything else. It
0: absolutely takes time. And uh, uh, I race with the, the same group of guys uh, every Thursday night. And uh, this was G-Dub's group that he started. And uh, they were kind enough to invite me to join them, even though G-Dub was no longer with them. And uh, when I first started, you know, we, they, they were practicing for the 24 hours of Le Mans. So they were driving a, a Corvette C7 at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't believe the C8 was out yet. And we were, you know, going to Le Mans. And, <laughs> and these guys were turning laps that were, easily 45 seconds faster than me. And that was on the rare occasion that I didn't crash on a lap, you know? And I was like, I have so much learning to do. And, and even at Daytona, they were 15, 20, 25 seconds faster than me. And so the first time I, I raced, and got within 10 seconds of the fast guys, I was jumping up and down. Like I just won the runoffs, Yeah, you know? And, and so, you know, and my goal is to always go out and click off a lap a little bit faster than the last time, just like we do on a racetrack. So, yeah. so tell everybody how they find you and your stuff as we get wrapped up here.
1: Well, I've got a, a Facebook page. That's Ray Esports racing, and it's all race connections and, and everything that I've made through the years. Um, there's a website, RayEsportsRacing.com, and I've got different pages on there for leagues and uh, information and broadcasters and that sort of thing. Um, in, the, in the leagues itself, on, on Tuesday nights or uh, uh, Discord channel, there's also the, uh, the Ray Esports Discord and, and the, uh, the Weekend Warriors on Facebook. So.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. Stevie, great to have you here when I decided to do this podcast, uh, you, you jumped on really quick and said, Hey, if you want to do something on sim racing, you know, I'm game. And I was really appreciative of that, but I will tell you that, uh, I've had two dozen people say, Oh, you got to get Stevie on the podcast. You got to get Steve. So, so there's a fan club out there, uh, for you and what you're doing within the club and uh, it's that's uh, awesome to hear. That's yeah. a testament to the efforts you've put into this. Uh, it's a testament to the fact that you're running a program on on sim racing that's a little above the fray. I think the quality of people who are involved in the Ray esports races, not like quality of human beings but you know the drivers and their backgrounds and their etiquette on the racetrack is is a step above what your average sim racing race is and that's why i enjoy have enjoyed the few times i've raced with you is is it's it's a lot closer to etiquette wise uh what you would expect to see on a club racing weekend you know and i know there's contact and things happen it's racing uh but you know when you're giving a guy a point and they still decide to run you over that's just Drives you nuts (laughs) so but uh you know thank you on behalf of all of us sim racers out there for doing what you're doing and uh keep it up if there's ever anything i can do let me know if you have any updates you want to talk to us about let us know we'll get you back on the podcast
1: We'll do it. And uh, appreciate you doing what you're doing. It's It'll be a great service for the, uh, the members. I appreciate that.
0: All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of Inside the SCCA. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network so you won't miss an episode. Would also be great if you'd leave a comment especially if it's a good one. If it's not, leave your comment on someone else's podcast page. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. Find out who our next guest is, leave a question. Uh, on Twitter, we are at RacingWireNet, and then uh, that's how you find us there. We also have a, a Racing Wire Facebook page. You can find us just by doing a search for Racing Wire. That's the latest episode of Inside the SECA. We have new episodes every week. Have yourself some fun this weekend and go play with cars. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.